Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome in to another late night edition of the Sunday Smash. It's uh, Irish Showfell here with our guy Dominic Robinson, lead football analyst for Warchant.com. You guys know him, of course, from his days as an FSU football player, wide receiver, defensive back, baseball player. You didn't play basketball, though, man. What happened? Why- <laughs> I did it. I did. A.D. McPherson had that, that basketball football thing locked down. He was football. He was Mr. Florida in, in football and basketball. I couldn't compete with that. That's uh, um, yeah, that's the real deal. He actually, and he, uh, you know, a few years ago, he was mentoring the kid Malachi Weidman, who is now at Jackson State. But also, I, I think he may have also done Mr. Football, and Mr. Basketball. I think he followed in '80s footsteps there. But um, special he, guys, man. I, I had it easy with football and baseball. I at least had a little break in between, man. You know, it's o- real fun. Seasons is tough. That's the thing, man. Like I and, uh, and we'll and we'll. T- well, we're not delaying the talking about Florida State Wake Forest, but I that is yeah. Hello, hello, football family. Is everybody doing okay? Everybody, Everybody's... take a deep breath. We're okay. We are four and one. We didn't lose to Middle Tennessee State at home. Right, right. Uh, could could be know, worse. We're good. Yeah, we lost to a very good ranked team. We're good. Everybody's good. Nobody needs to get fired. Uh, <laughs> we don't need a new quarterback. We don't need any a new anything. We're all we need. All we got, and we're gonna be okay. Everybody, <laughs> relax. The uh, yeah, man, that that it's funny how expectations change. You know, if you told anybody a month ago or six weeks ago <laughs> that they'd be four and one, yeah, and and their only loss would be to a, another top twenty-five team, I think most people would be like, all right. But then when you watch it happen, and and, and like it's natural, you know, they played so well against Louisville that, you know, in coming back with a backup quarterback and all the injuries and then a really complete performance against Boston College, who, and I got to go back in time and give more credit to that win because BC turns around and beats Louisville. I, I thought I, I was not that <laughs> yeah. impressed with the BC win because I just felt like, man, BC looks like they're left for dead. And then mm-hmm. they come back and turn around and and, and get a win. Um, so that that I guess that's what it is. It's just – the expectations got so raised and then they didn't play the way they had been playing. And I, that's one of the things I, I kind of wanted to talk to you about D Rob, since you played a lot of different sports at, at high levels, 
you know, I just think sometimes as fans and media, we expect guys to play at the same level, perform the same way they perform last week, this week, even if the opponent changes or the circumstances change. And, and so I think that's why we sometimes get emotional because we've seen you do it before. Why are you not playing well today? Um, yeah, I was kind of your thoughts on uh, that game and and kind of why 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 Florida State may not have given uh, maybe its best effort. Yeah, I think you know people need to understand that like that's what good teams force you to do. They force you out of the things that you want to do. Um, they force you out of your technique. They force you out of the play calls maybe that you. Uh, want to do or maybe the the um, you know the, your your philosophy um, and other good teams respond by with that by sticking to what they always do and doing and leaning into their fundamentals and their technique even better but there's a reason why and I said it a hundred times on the um, on the uh, watch along show there's a reason why, and there's a process to get to that point. And we're not there yet, but it's okay to not be there because there's only one or two teams in the country that are consistently there. Like that just doesn't, that's not, you know, um, that's not a thing that just the average, slightly above average teams do on a consistent basis. And so, um, you know, Wake Forest, both is as a coaching staff, as a program, and the players that they have put you in a position that forces you out of your technique, out of your fundamentals, um, because of uh, some of it is be system wide. And then some of it is, like I said, you know, a hundred times on the show, that quarterback is a special quarterback and he's going to make you do some things um, that are a little uncharacteristic of yourself. Um, and that's what makes the people that, um, don't get exposed in that moment. Like that's why they go first round. That's why they play on Sundays. Um, you know, because they're able to rise above that. We don't have those guys yet. Like we just don't. And that's where we're getting to. That's where we hope to be, but we're not at that point right now. You know, in basketball, a guy like Trent Forrest who played at Florida state, um, mm-hmm. yeah. back when, you know, our mutual friend, Adrian Crawford, back when Trent signed with Florida state, I remember asking him, like, why do you like Trent so much? And, like, why do you like Trent as a, as a recruit so much? And he said, he said, the players all love him because he all he does is win. Like, no matter what team you put him on, his team is going to win. He's going to do all the little things to help his team win. He's going to make everybody else better. If you yeah. go out and watch him play in an AU tournament, his team is always going to win. And – to me, I think of a guy like Sam Hartman is kind of in that. And I'm not saying that they win 100% of the time, but yeah, it's just, yeah. there are some guys like that that impact everybody else, right? Oh, yeah. There's no question. And when I watch them play, again, the system lends itself, their their system as a whole, their offensive system, lends itself to, um, you know, uh, to spreading the ball out, to getting the ball to multiple spots on the field, multiple players. Um, it's not really like a superstar built offense. And I listened to coach Clawson talk, um, uh, uh, do a clinic talk about that. And uh, you know how they, their, their offense is essentially all weather, their system. It's all weather. It doesn't matter. They don't need a superstar. And what happens is that you get one like a Sam Hartman 
And now it makes that system look like it's, you know, uh, unstoppable because now you have an extraordinary talent in an extraordinary system that was built for no talent. It's the spread offense. When the spread offense got to college, mm-hmm. it got there for the less talented teams, the Texas Techs of the world who didn't have the players. Well, then all the good teams said, well, what if we use the good, you know, the, the, this offense mm-hmm. that creates advantages in and of itself. And then, it, you know, and then teams were scoring, you know, 60 points, like it was nothing, 50, 60 points. So yeah, you know, Sam Hartman is that way. He's just going to keep you out of bad plays. There's not a bad play. There's not a bad play call. Um, and uh, man, we saw it. He did nothing. Um, you know, there was no like, oh, one moment that just captured. You know, he'll he'll never have like the Heisman moment for for instance. Right. You know, he's gonna take the completions that you give him. He's gonna consistently make accurate throws, move the ball down the field, and then the one time that you slip up, he's gonna make you know a throw that's gonna get get a first down. Um, you know, on a third and nine. And uh, and then before you know it, it's kind of death by paper cuts. You know, before you know it, you're like, dang, it's 31-21. And we had more offense than them. We had seven yards per play. They had 4.8. We had, I think we had 6.8. Um, technically, by by any, you know, um, measure of, of uh, offense, we played a better offensive game. But if you watch that game, you clearly saw one guy was completely in control and can get what he wanted when he wanted, and the other guy wasn't. And uh, that that's what, you know, that was kind of what the game came down to, uh, was he made the – Sam Hartman was going to make the plays when he needed, and, and he did it time and time again. I don't remember the third down numbers, but at some point I believe they were seven for 11. Um and if you'd have told me prior to the game that we would get them in as many third and longs as we did, I would have said we won that game because we got them in a bunch of third and longs. But because I thought we had an advantage on the one on ones outside because we because we I thought these receivers were nothing like the LSU receivers and we handled them one on one for four quarters. We never played zone coverage once not one snap this week i thought these guys aren't as good as those guys so we should be fine playing one-on-one if we can get to third and eight third and nine we can play one-on-one and we won't win or, or and, and we'll win those battles and we didn't win those battles man jump ball we got beat on a couple jump balls we had a scramble that we got beat and um and we had a pass interference um, and all of those were third down plays that you, you get it when you can get them in must pass drop back pass situations. They hate it. Wake Forest does not like it. It's not what they do well. It's not what they want to call. And we got them in those situations, which is perfect. That's what you want as a coordinator. But within we didn't we didn't finish them off on those. And those hurt, man. Those those were really, really big downs. That, that might be the breakdown that I do this week. It might just be a third down you know, breakdown. I haven't decided yet, but those were really, really big in the, in the moment. I thought every time that they would convert those, I would thought, okay, this is a game that you lose. If you don't win the ones, if you get them to your advantageous situation and you don't win, then you're, that's a game that you probably lose. Part of that too was pass rush, which is a whole nother conversation that 
we didn't rush the passer the way we needed to. Yeah, and you know, and I guess you know, going that goes to the topic of Adam Fuller. Well, first, real quick, um, Joel Davis, uh, yeah, had a, yeah, had a, yeah, had a contribution, and uh, Joel Davis is always positive. And thanks for the uh, the donation. He says next year we'll have the roster depth to sustain the injuries. Um, yeah, man, I th- I do think the injuries have stacked up now to a point where mm-hmm. it's yep. it's it's a challenge, man, especially against a good team. Like maybe maybe you can withstand that against BC the week before. But yeah. now, you know, you're playing a better team. Um, and, I, you know, it's, it sounds kind of like loser talk a little bit. There's a lot of fans complaining about the officiating. The wake never gets called for holding. Um, mm-hmm. Questionable pass interference calls. And you talk about injuries. Everybody's got injuries. But the reality is, man, they've had three of their top six offensive linemen that started the year in preseason camp are out. Two of them are out for the year. Robert Scott's been out for the last couple weeks at left tackle. And on a defensive line, you know, your best defensive lineman, Fabian Lovett's been out. Uh, Jared Verse was limited, played 20-something snaps. Uh, Derek McClendon's been a little bit limited. I think Robert Cooper, I mean, all those guys are kind of bl- playing banged up, which I guess comes with the position. But but yeah. I do think the injuries are are definitely a factor. And and the longer you go in the program, you would think the depth, mm-hmm. the, the depth will improve. Correct. And I, I brought that up prior. Um, I brought that up, uh, you know, in the BC, during the BC game that I thought that that game was so important because that game wins you a game down the road because you get some guys playing that haven't been, um, you know, that aren't getting reps and those guys need to get reps. Um, so that when you do come up a, a situation like we had uh, where guys back, back, backup guys are playing, they're not backup guys. They're now starters because they've gotten starter reps. We're not there yet. Um, and we just don't have the depth, and that's definitely going to start showing up here. Uh, we're at that point in the season now where you really start to see it, and um, it's a huge concern. We're just not at that point, you know, in our, um, you know, sort of in this rebuild, in this development process. We're not at the point now where you can lose your top pass rusher and be okay when you play a team like Wake Forest. You know, it, it, your opponent has a lot to do with that. And um, we're, we're going to be um, – it, it's going to be tough sledding here, to, you know, to finish these finish these things off because of the lack of depth. Um, you know, you're just not going to be healthy. I don't – it's not necessarily an excuse because everybody deals with it. It's the reality of playing college football is you got to come into the season – with more than just your starting 11. And if you do, and that's all you got, then you're looking at a team that if they look like a 10 win team, it's probably an eight or a seven win team, because when you finish the season, it won't be the same guys. If, if 11 is all you got. So that's kind of where we're at. And and we're not as thin as like just 11, um, but we don't go much deeper than probably 14 um, on either side you know, of guys that are legitimate ones, you know? Um, So, yeah. So, and then going back to uh, Adam Fuller, which obviously, I mean, you know, if the defense doesn't play great, everyone wants to fire the coordinator. I do think to the point you were making, you know, the way the style they played defensively, it seemed like to me, they weren't going to give, they weren't going to let Sam Hartman throw six touchdown passes like he did against Mm -hmm. Clemson. So the, what you're looking for in those situations, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, but like, your 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 whole goal is to to either you know wait for them to make a mistake, which they're not probably not going to do because Wake Forest doesn't make mistakes, especially with that quarterback. 
or you get him in that third and eight or thirty nine, and now you got to make that one play. And so when yeah. you get him in, yeah. when you get when you get him in those situations as the coordinator, you feel like okay, this is what this is what we're here for. This is the moment we have to get off the field, and they just could never make that play. The corners uh, and safeties just never made those plays. I'm curious, so like your thoughts on, and I know you're not at practice, but but we are at practice. Last week, I thought if any group played really well in, on Tuesday and Wednesday of last week that we were out there, it was the DBs. They yeah, broke up yeah. a ton. They broke up a ton of passes, and they were. I mean, they made some really great effort plays where a receiver would catch the ball and they'd come out of nowhere and swat it out of their hands. I mean, they just. It seemed like that was such a point of emphasis during the week because they knew how good Wake's receivers were and how good Sam yeah. Hartman is. But then you get in the game and they just couldn't make those plays. And I, the two plays that stand out to me are the touchdown. Well, there's a bunch of them, but a couple of them that stand out. You know, the touchdown. You know, where uh, Renardo Green's. I mean, he's right there, and the and mm-hmm. like he just swats at the ball but just misses it. The third, uh, that last third and long on the their long drive at the end where, you know, Greedy Vance is in perfect position. You think he's going to – I mean, before the ball gets thrown, I'm thinking, okay, that's a pick. And he lets the guy make the catch over his head. Is it odd to you that there were that many opportunities and they hit such a low average when you, you've I, seen I, these guys I, make plays before? I'll tell you, I was shocked. That was the one thing I just said it earlier. Yeah. I, I didn't think we would get them in the situations that we got them in multiple times. So Wake, I, and I, I can't wait to watch the video, but, uh, you know, the, the all 22. But Wake um, called um, designed drop back passes more last night than any other night, um, than any other game this season. They're they're essentially calling about five a game, and I can already think of five off the top of my head that they call. They they do not drop back and just pass the ball, and we got them in those situations multiple downs. The reason is they typically can run the ball for three yards on on in you know on first and second down, so they're consistently in third and five, you know third and four, third and five. Last, you know, to, yeah, I guess that was last night. Um, they were in more third and long, what we call third and long, which for me that's seven or more. They were in more third and long than um, I, I would guess any other game, you know, this season. So, again, that's your goal. Like, if you're a defensive coordinator, that's what you want because now it's a must-pass situation, and I got my best guys doing what they do. They're, they know they're playing pass. They don't have to worry about RPO. They don't have to worry about fitting a run. And mm-hmm. so my safeties are, are in coverage. My corners are in coverage. And um, and like I said, I just thought they would make more plays than they made um, last night. I was really surprised. I was – I if you would have told me that the game was going to go that way, I would have said – that's a good game. And that was a good game plan. I can't say it enough, man. Like, again, I want to watch the, um, the film, um, because I, you know, I don't want to go too far, but as I was watching the game and as I've recalled it in my mind over the last, um, you know, 24 hours, I can't pinpoint a spot where Adam Fuller, 
called a ba- called a bad defense. I really don't. And that's that's hard. There's typically a play or two that you can pick and you go, man, that wasn't good. I, I, that that wasn't it. That wasn't it. He pushed the right button multiple times last night and got them to situations that Wake Forest does not want to be in. They are not uncomfortable. You saw, or you, they are not comfortable. You saw uh, Coach Clawson um, at the end of that game. I mean, you could see he was exuberant because he knew they had escaped one where they took away my best player. We took Sam Hartman away for the most part. Um, but when he needed to make a play, he made a play. Um, and, 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 and the, and the whiteouts, I gotta, I gotta go, you know, shout out the whiteouts. They, though, they had to catch those balls, but those throws that he made on those downs, they were, he, those were the, the, the star throws of the night. You know, it's not typical of him because he typically has to make, you know, 35, you know, 35 completions for over 300 yards or whatever. It wasn't that type of night because of what coach Fuller did to take away and force them to hand the ball off and force them to, to run. And um, man, I, I hate that. I, I, I hated that for the guys. The one, one thing I wanted to like play devil's advocate, I guess one other thing I was thinking about that with that though, because they didn't have the pass rush you'd like to have. Yeah, um, yeah and he, that was and a big so, part of it. There was a so, couple times where it wasn't necessarily the corners' right. fault or the secondary's fault. There was a couple times where it was like that's too much time for an elite quarterback. Right, he's going right. to complete the pass like when and especially because he's athletic too. That's what that's what kills you, man. He's just he, he's athletic. He's accurate and he's smart as heck. He just doesn't make bad plays. You know the worst thing about him, man, and it just dawned on me during the game, and I don't know if you could see it as well on TV, but you could see it when you're watching the game live. He's one of those, and I, I want to say the word I want to say, where <laughs> where he makes a play, yeah. you, or you make a play, and he compliments you. Like, and like, there's a couple of times last night where like Jamie Robinson or other guys would make a play and kind of talk trash to him. And he would be like, great job. Or like pat him on the head or, and it's like, no dude, don't be nice. Like be be a jerk. Yeah. 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 Like it's, it's more frustrating. That's how in control he is that Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter what you say. You're not going to, you're not going to rattle him. Yeah. I get the feeling that he is unflappable just absolutely there's nothing you can do he is completely in control and again part of this lends back to his coaching and that system and part of it lends to this he's that type of player he's that type of human um but when you watch him you do get the feel that he is 100 in control on every single play there's just no time where he's flustered there's no time third and 12 down up like it just you know send the blitz don't send the blitz he's very very he's very comfortable with everything he does so then like now let's talk about jordan where i think there's been times this season where we praise jordan for being comfortable and knowing exactly where to go with the ball and reading the defense before the play and 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 no matter how many blitzes you send at him he's calm and and, and handling it but in a game like this, in the first half, he just never – after the first drive, it just seemed like he kind of got out of kilter a little bit and had a hard time regaining that. 
He did in the second half. I thought he looked good in the second half, and he finished the night with good numbers overall. But is that something that is he has more opportunities like that? You think he'll be able to calm himself down and 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 get back in the moment, or is that something where and you you either have it or you don't have it? Yeah, I think this was a Jordan Norvell um, deal collectively more than it was a Jordan deal. Yeah. I don't want to put it on that. That's fair. What I, what I say, what I mean by that is there are certain times, days and times where, um, coach and, and, or, or play caller and quarterback just aren't quite clicking. And it's not really anyone's fault, but it's based on what the defense is doing what the, the, the problems that they're presenting, what the quarterback is thinking that the answers to those problems are, and then what the coach is, is perceiving that the answer to those problems are. And for whatever reason on that day, sometimes they just don't click up. And I was seeing or feeling some of that, even not being there in person, right. I was feeling like, Norvell is feeling like the game or the calls need to go in this direction. Jordan was feeling like they need to go in another direction and they just weren't comfortable with each other and it just wasn't clicking. So that's a thing that, man, sometimes that just happens. Part of that may be even the injury that Jordan has. Um, You know, we we can't forget that the guy, we thought that the guy was out for the season, you know, two weeks ago. Um, there's yeah. something, you know, there's something to be said for that. Like we need to be cognizant of the fact that he just, it, it wasn't, it wasn't right. And so I said this during the broadcast as a coordinator, when that happens, so I call it spinning, like the quarterback's mind is spinning. And uh, when you get a highly competitive guy like Jordan, what happens is it's almost like quicksand. The harder you try to go, the more you bury yourself, you get stuck, right? You really get stuck. And so you as a coordinator, you got to have certain calls that sort of get them out of that, get them unstuck, like Mm -hmm. a couple completions. It might be a run. It might be a jet sweep or a fly. It it may be a zone read where you tell him to pull it or to give it. You don't actually let him read it. You know, you tell him, hey, you're pulling the ball here. We're going to try to get you on the edge. We're going to let you run. You pick up a first down for us. You start to get into a flow of the game. Um, and I felt like the drive that finished the half where we got no points because we missed the field goal, that drive was really, really important because that showed me that, that Mike coach Norvell was able to get Jordan back into that, that groove. I think he realized it. The problem with that, when that happens is when you're playing a team like Wake Forest, with their ball control offense, right. you only have so many possessions. Possessions that, are yeah. at a premium. <laughs> possessions are at a premium when you play a ball control offense. So you don't have time to work a guy back in and get a couple of the and then not get points. You just don't have time to do it. You, you know, and by the time Jordan got back into a groove, it's too late. And um, and it's no fault yeah. of his or Mike Norvell's. It's just that's your opponent. And when you when you're playing that opponent, they're going to make sure that you don't have the ball. They're going to keep 
the, 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 the guys that score the points on the sideline. And that's, that's what they did. Their game plan. What I watched last night, uh, it was exactly a Friday. Yeah. I guess last night was exactly, exactly, exactly what, and that's why I, Clawson to a smile and grinning ear to ear to ear because that was exactly what they 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 want. That's the game they want to play um, uh, to a T. The only thing they don't want to do is they don't want to get in as many third and longs. So for us defensively, like I said, that was exactly the game we want to play. We just don't want to give up those third and and tens, third and twelves, third and eights. We don't want to convert. Let them convert them, and they did. Yeah, I think he was. I think he was actually. They didn't convert all the third downs, but he was seven of seven on the times he threw the ball on third down. He was seven of seven. So that's a, yeah. that's a pretty good clip for a quarterback. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy, crazy good, man. Like you can't. I wouldn't want. I wouldn't expect uh, the Alabama kid to do yeah. that. Like that's that's all. That's off the charts, man. And that's seven how. Of seven. And that's. And that speaks to because how well those weren't those those weren't third and twos, third and threes. Right. That's the thing that I'm saying. There were at least four of those was third were, were third and eight or more. Those are you're supposed to be less than fifty percent on third and eight or more. And that, that even is the one, good quarterbacks. And that's one thing I do want to point out. And I, we we did not write this. Corey and I did not write this. And Austin, but but I do think it's important to point out. Go watch Dave Clawson's press conference. And the point you're making about what he looked like after that game. Go uh-huh. if, if people go watch his press conference, he he could not have been more happy with the way they played. Like they played their A game. Florida yeah. State probably played like a B minus game, mm-hmm. and so that's where I think Mike Norvell's frustrated. Is like, man, you had an opportunity. If you played your A game, you might have beat that team at home, but you didn't, and they did. Uh, I did want to get to Z Chan's question. Z Chan, um, our guy Zach came through with a, a contribution and a question I want to ask. Uh, and while uh, Ben brings it up, what he what he was asking was about the pass protection and why the pass protection uh, broke down a lot. All right, so his question, Z-Chan's question, what's your take on the poor pass protection last night? Were they doing anything special that we weren't ready for? The one thing I, I noticed, D-Robin, I want to get your take on it. I don't think – I don't think – I don't think that they – I think they underestimated how quick that nose guard was. Zero. Yeah. Because there were a lot of times where, you know, Florida State's pulling their guards and that joker is in the backfield before mm-hmm. any, anything. And when I'm, he's a grad transfer from Richmond, we've made a big deal about FSU's grad transfers. They went out and got a grad transfer at nose guard um, from Richmond. And that kid was, I thought, super quick and athletic. And he was very disruptive. When you get into a game where you've been watching somebody on film, but you've never played them before, and you and maybe they're quicker than you expect or stronger than you expect, like what can you do? Like, do you think they realized at some point, like we can't do what we normally do because that guy's a little bit better than we thought? That's uh, yeah. Uh, I so I was actually a part of one of those, um, and it was one of the craziest moments that I had at Florida State, and it was um, uh, the quarterback from Iowa State. What was oh his yeah, name? yeah. What was his um, name? 2002. Um, yeah, Seneca Wallace. Seneca Wallace. Yeah, he played in the league. So, for a long we, time. so we go to, and I, I, so I was still on defense at the time. Hey, was he inbounds or not? Was he inbounds or not? <laughs> I or thought he, he scored. I'm pretty sure he scored. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure he scored. Um, 
And we, I, I can remember multiple times in video, in film, we would watch a clip and he would literally run circles around, you know, the big 12 defenders. And we would skip them because we'd go, he, there, th- that's a big 12 defender. He's not running like that around us like that. Like this is Florida state. Like we've got speed everywhere. Right. He's not running circles around us like that. We get a quarter and a half in and Mickey is about to absolutely lose his crap <laughs> because he, he did exactly what he did on film to us. And we were done. Like we had no clue how to respond. I, I'd never seen our defensive staff. They always were so confident. They always had answers for everything. That was the first time that I looked at those guys and they were done. Their faces were just glazed over. They couldn't believe how fast he was. Right. And we did not have an answer for it. And it just, and it happened all night and it happened on the final play of the game. Yeah. And <laughs> technically People. probably won the game and we got a favorable call and we got out of there with the win. But um, I'll tell you um, in terms of the protection issues, um, they did not do anything that we should not have us expected. They were incredibly vanilla um, from what I saw, again, I haven't watched the film yet, but from watching the game live, I did not see that they did anything to um, to confuse us. Uh, they did not change anything that they did. I did watch some of their game last week against Clemson. I didn't see them do anything different, change anything. They ran their base defense with their base guys, and their guys were just better than our guys. And we had some backups in there. We had some, you know, we've got some issues up there up front. Um you know, with injuries and guys playing different positions and things like that. And they, they exploited that just plain and simple. They, they were a little bit better. Um, and, uh, and that was, you know, that, you know, that's, that's something to keep our eyes on, um, you know, go, going forward is again, the depth there, you know, that we, the guys that we had, we, we had to have them because they were actual, starters ACC starters I'm not sure we have five ACC starters starting on on the offensive line right now and that's um so that's what you're gonna get uh when you face you know a a slightly above average defense I don't think Wake is anything special um defensively so yeah that that was that was a problem and uh, And that's, that's something to keep our eyes on going forward because you know NC State will be tough up front and and Clemson will be the same that's what I, I think. That's what's got to be concerning. I think, and I've seen mm-hmm. a f- couple of comments in chat. Is you know there were times last night where Wake rushed three and got pressure. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, and, yeah. And and so that then you think about you know what you're going to see from NC State and then Clemson. Uh, that is definitely concerning. And Alex Atkins has got to figure some stuff out. A couple of the common questions in in the chat. Uh, I saw a couple of people asking about the kicker situation. Um, I do want to just kind of offer my thoughts on that. Um, I didn't write about it. I did write about the situation with, with Fitzgerald a couple weeks ago and basically just said, I think what Mike Norvell likes to do is I think he likes to show kids loyalty if he believes that they can be good players. And, and the be- if he believes somebody's the best player they've got or the best second team player they've got, I think he's going to do everything he can to, to give them every chance to become what they need to be because that'll help the team. 
And I thought we saw that with Tate Rodemaker, um, where a lot of people were like, oh, Tate can't do it when he when he came in against Duquesne. But Mike Norvell stuck with him, kept working with him, and then he comes in and, and shows what he could do against Louisville. So that was my equation with Ryan Fitzgerald. Is I think he's willing to deal with whatever Ryan's going through because he's their best kicker long term. Um, they do have a walk-on, but, but Ryan's their best kicker if he can figure this out. I do wonder now, though, man, you put him out there again in a situation where now he's getting booed by the home crowd. At what point do you think, as a, as a coaching staff, you need to say, look, man, we, we need to give this guy some time. or so, It's not fair to him at a certain point. I worry if that kid goes out there when they're playing Clemson in two weeks, what the crowd is going to do. That's a tough situation, yeah. man. Yeah, yeah, I kicking on the road I, is one thing, but man, uh, if they send him out there again, I mean, how do you how are you supposed to kick when the whole crowd is groaning that you got sent into the game? It's very tough. <laughs> it, that guy, that kid's, you know, um, you, you know, you hope that the coaches take um, a smart approach, and a part of having a smart approach here is knowing the kid, like having a relationship right. with the kid and knowing him well enough to know how does, how do we motivate him? How do we handle that? How do we create the pressure situations and practice, um, you know, so that when that does happen, when Clemson, when he does face Clemson here in, in two weeks at home and those guys are moaning and groaning, um, you know, that, that he can still get out there and do what he does. Um, you know, a, a big part of that is sort of the culture support system that you have amongst your team, right? You know, that you know, we don't lose a game because of one guy, you know, everybody right. has to do their part, everybody has a role. If you've created that solid sort of foundation, um, that will lend itself to a kid bouncing back. And not that Missouri has this, but I don't know if you saw the Missouri kicker who missed the kick against somebody in the SEC last week, and then he just killed it this week. Really? Uh, almost Georgia? beat Georgia. Right. Yeah, I, I want to say he had four or five kicks. I, I think he scored 15 points, and uh, and last week he missed it, uh, missed a kick um, uh, to win the game. I think it might have even been in overtime. Oh, it was Auburn. Um, so, you know, that's the thing is – you do you have that type of environment where a guy can can have a, a rough days? Yeah, same thing with Jordan. You know, same thing with yeah. Jordan. He didn't play his best in the first half. I felt like Mike handled it really well with him. You know, we actually saw that clip where he went to goes goes to talk to Jordan. <clears throat> he asked him a simple question: "What did you see, Jordan?" you know, has a, you know, sort of spastic response. And he's like, calm down. I'm just trying to ask you, what did you see? Like, let's get this figured out together. Um, you know, you kind of have to have that same, same, you know, uh, relationship with your kicker where he, again, he feels safe that he doesn't, he can go out there and perform and, and not feel judgment from his team. Cause when you have it internally from your guys, your family, that you'll you will be affected by fans, um, you know, booing and and you know moaning and groaning right. when you're in. The uh, Ben, if you get a chance, Ben, there's a couple other comments that I missed where people made contributions. Uh, if you if you see those, all right. One of them is uh, from JJ fifty one JC JC. Thank you, Warchamp family. Great coverage. 
Is Benson in the doghouse? He's not getting carries. Go Knowles. I don't think he's in the doghouse. I mean, I think that kid, they like him a lot. Um, he didn't look great, I thought, when he did get some opportunities in that game. Fumbling the opening kickoff. Um, didn't look like himself. He did have one good kick return later. Um, but, you know, they also – I don't know what your thoughts are, D-Rob, but I just – they didn't run the ball as well as I thought. Because, like, to the point you made earlier where if your quarterback's not in a rhythm, mm-hmm. the passing game's yeah. not in a rhythm, right. you, would, yeah. you would think maybe you could lean on the running game a little bit, but then they couldn't. You know, they didn't – they weren't really having a whole lot of – they had some spots where they had – but it wasn't consistently against – a wake team you thought they might be able to run better against. I would have thought. Yeah, and I, I was a little bothered down in the red zone. There was a couple um, where I'm like, either he wasn't in or he wasn't getting the ball. And I just felt like, man, that guy, he's special in, in terms right. of you know b- breaking tackles. And um, this is probably a good spot. Um but yeah, I don't know about. It. I definitely don't think he's in the doghouse, and I definitely think they love him. I think part of the reason why you get away from the run game is you're down twenty-one-seven going into half, right? right? right. Is that right? And you're right. playing a team. And again, this is Wake Forest formula. You this get, is why you get, this is you why limited. they're so excited. Yeah. You're you know, limited you're, possessions. Yeah. You're right. limited time with the football, so you go away from really what you do well. Like that's what we do best. Is it? We've got a absolute problem back there with the three of them at, at running back, but you can't do what you want to do because you don't have time, you know, to do it. And I thought actually they did a good job in terms of calling the runs that they did because when we were down 21 seven to start that possession, he came out and went straight handoff and we gassed them for a big one to get around the 50 and I think we had two run, two big runs there. Um, and I can't remember if it was Benson or or, or uh Feely. Treshawn, yeah, yeah. I can't remember which back it was, but um, but I thought that those were times where teams typically aren't gonna run the ball at all. You know, when you're down two scores, going into half, um, you know, two minute situation you typically are going to get teams to spread it out and just chuck and duck there. And they didn't do that. And I thought that that was an important message to send to your team is that, Hey, we are not far from out of this game and we have plenty of game left to play. I think if you go chuck and duck there, even if you're successful, you get a team that panics. Like these are things that are important uh, to, to think about that. I think people tend to forget is like, the psychology of play calling like Mm -hmm. what you call can be successful and still have a negative effect. Because if I all of a sudden call eight straight pass plays, but I'm telling my team, Hey, we got plenty of time. Why are you calling eight pass plays when our (laughs) best players are runners runners? Right. Maybe we don't have that time. You're just saying that, you know, your words don't have uh, the, the value or the weight that they need to have. So I thought that I, I thought that was really sending a good message to the team running the ball there. And you got yourself in, in a, in a good position uh, to score. And then you didn't, you know, you didn't capitalize on it. So. That was the one thing I would say, like, if I, again, if I was playing devil's advocate about the defensive strategy was 
the the approach I think that they were taking made sense. You know, not mm-hmm. not giving up the deep ball and all that. But once you get behind a score, certainly when you get behind two scores, I, the pressing just got I think could get worse because you know you're not going to get the ball. I just I always remember a game I covered in high schools in South Georgia. It was actually Charlie Ward's alma mater, Thomas County Central, in Thomasville. Okay. They they had won three straight state titles and they ran the split back beer, and it was you know. Man, just they would just it was just three yards, five yards, six yeah, yards, yeah, sixty-five yeah. yard touchdown, and it was just yep. and they were a machine with it. And they went and played a team in Columbus, Georgia, that was not a good football team. It was like a six and four football team that just won a bad region and got in the playoffs. But they had a huge three hundred twenty pound offensive lineman, and they ran the ball right at Central the entire game, and they literally kept the ball for more than a quarter at a time. Like yeah, they would yeah. just. And it was three yards, three yards, third and two, first down, third. I mean, it was just in so central, their players, they won three straight state titles, great culture, great program, completely freaked out. Like when yeah, they got yeah. the ball on offense, they just, you could see them kind of losing their minds if they didn't score on the first play. And that's always something that stuck in me. So in a game like that, where I look at Florida State get behind and pressing as a defensive coordinator, and, and maybe he did start kind of, being a little bit more aggressive. They did play Jared Verse more. That might have been part of the the mindset there is, man, we have to force the issue. Um, mm-hmm. And then they blitz some. But, you know, I just think against that kind of offense, man, it just it, – it's it, – you know, it just kills you. It kills your offense because you feel like you're behind yeah. the eight ball. And that's exactly – that's what I was going to say. I just wrote down. So Dave Clawson, he calls it the body blow theory. He, he looks at football as like boxing. And if he can get he, – he's he's okay with the you know, two-yard run. He's okay with the short pass. That, you know, that, he's okay if they go a whole game and never throw the ball down the field um, because he, he's, he's saying, like, these body blows are eventually going to affect somebody. And it's not even just physical effect. It's not even just a physical body blow. It's your offense is standing here watching um, – <laughs> You know, this quarterback surgically moved the ball down the field. First down, three-yard pass, three-yard screen, four-yard run, two-yard run, four-yard. And your offensive coordinator and your offensive players are going, would you hurry up? Like, we got to get a stop. Can we get the ball back? Because we got to go score. We got to, you know, and you become impatient. Right. And um, and that's exactly what they want. That's exactly how they want to play. That's why I said their plan. Um, and I'll tell you that the big moment, this was the killer. We're upset. We get the ball and we do exactly what they don't want us to do. Five play drive. Mm-hmm. Just dominate that drive. It was unbelievable. It, I, I, I thought we were scoring 35 easy after that drive. They get the ball back. They never, they always have positive first possessions. We get a stop. Right. You have to, when you're playing that type of offense, you have to possess the ball, that next possession, and you have to score. But you don't even necessarily have to score. You just have to possess the ball. Right. And I think we went three and out. Right. And that was... And that may have been, I I don't like to pinpoint like one thing that's the game, but that was the game. 
Well, and that I think possession, that was the game because if we possess the ball there, it totally changes their offense. If we score there, it really changes their offense. Like I said, they don't want to call drop back passes because they mm-hmm. don't want us pass rushing. They want you stopping the run. They want your pass rushers stopping the run. So if you're down 14 nothing and we possess the ball for a good amount there, they are really, really in in in, uh, in a bad bad way. And now they're completely out of their game plan. And that's what we we could have done there. We could have taken them completely out of their game plan. We never we didn't do that. They were able to stick to their game plan on that right. next possession, run the ball, grind it out. I, I need to look back at the time of possession on that on that uh, game plan or on that drive. But that was the that was it. Like that was that that was the uh, that was the game right there, man. And it, and it almost felt and like you get the ball back. You, you're not going to stop. First of all, you're not going to stop Sam Hartman multiple times and a half. It's just not going to happen. Like they they score over third, they average over thirty five a game, right? So it, you, if you get a stop, that that you 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 just did something that you're not going to do consistently throughout a game. It's just not going to happen, and that and you got to score there. And it seemed like to me what happened is when when the offense didn't score there, and Wake went right down and scored, and yeah. then I think the Jordan it wasn't that it wasn't that Jordan series. I think it was the next one. Jordan the, fumbles. The next series, yep. But, the next but series it, is a fumble. Just, we go three was, and out fumble on consecutive right, possessions. Right. Yeah. And it just yeah. felt like that's around the time where guys just kind of you could just tell. I mean, they were just kind of starting to panic a little bit, which we hadn't seen. I wanted to touch on one more thing here, um, real quick. So I want to give you credit because uh, last week you and uh, Aslan got your debate during the the watch along during the Boston College game yeah. about the impact of the Wake Forest Clemson game. And you know, Aslan, like a lot of us, thought Wake losing that close game might be, you know, a, kind of a, a heartbreaker and maybe set them back and might affect them going into this week. You said you didn't think that would happen, and you, of course, were right. I mean, I l- listened to Dave Clawson talk after the game. He said. He was a little bit concerned about it because he said they were gutted when they lost to Clemson the way they did in double overtime. But but he said that the their I guess their fifth and sixth year seniors just rallied everybody together, had great practices Tuesday and Wednesday, and he knew at that point, okay, we're ready to play this game. We'll be ready to play this game. I, the reason I want to compliment you on that, but then also looking forward to Florida State. How do you think Florida State can process? And I know you're not there, you're not in the locker room. But yeah, what's going to yeah. be the, what's going to be the key for Florida State to get over this and, and and you know get ready for an NC State team that's not great, but I think they're number fourteen in the country and uh, they beat you in your own stadium last year. Yeah, I'm I'm really excited about it because they were just with a team competing with a team that went that's going through exactly what or that just went through what they just went. It just had to happen to them. I'm really, really excited because I hope they can see, okay, they just lost to an opponent, you know, uh, you know, in, in uh, Wake Forest, just lost to a very good opponent and a very tight game and a game that they felt like they let get away. And they were able to go on the road, play us. And this was sort of the energy level that they played with in order to beat us. And so I'm hoping that they, they, you know, being the fact that they were so close to that situation, right. They'll sort of reflect 
basically exactly what Wake Forest just did. They'll sort of see like, hey, man, this is sort of the approach to doing that. I think this is a huge moment in Mike Norvell's tenure um, with this program because these are the things that we have not done well in the past. We've had teams with this talent level in the past, um, you know, uh, in the, in the, you know, yeah. relatively near past that were this talented, but their problem was the response to adversity. Things like this would happen. And even I saw it in that game. I saw a level of, of resilience that hadn't been around in our program recently. Right. Um, you know, we, you, when, when adversity hits, like I said, 21-7 and then a missed kick. And then the offense, and then the other team gets the ball back 28-7 on right. the first possession. That game in the past Florida State teams, that game was over. You think it, it gets out of hand? Not only does it get out of hand, but you probably have guys fighting on the sideline. One hundred percent. That game gets out of control, like in a lot of different ways. Like you said, coaches bickering with each other, coaches bickering with players. Blah blah blah. I didn't see that. I didn't feel that. That team. That team. You know, tightened their their you know uh, their britches and went to work. They, I mean, they grinded out that second half. So I, I really feel like they have an opportunity to do that same deal. And being so close to it, I think hopefully it'll have that sort of effect. Um, I, I, I am concerned because going on the road after a tough loss is, is, is always really hard. Um, and so that's why I did understand Aslan's point. But I just, again, having sort of a, uh, a little bit of knowledge of, of of Wake Forest and their coaching staff and kind of what they do. I just, and, and watching that game, I felt like that team was ready and felt like they could come to Tallahassee and get a win. I think they, I felt like they were confident to do that. So there was a good question up. up uh, okay. I can't, I can't remember what it was. I know. I think, um, I don't know, Ben, I think Khalil might've had. Oh, there uh, we yeah. go. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Khalil Young, uh, thanks, Khalil. Appreciate it, man. D. Rob, yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think NC State's questionable OC play calling will make this game easier for our defense in some aspects. They play it to more of our strengths than what Wake Forest offense does. He's saying he doesn't believe NC State's uh, play calling has been very good on offense. Have you watched that much? What do you What do you think about them? I, I I know the quarterback. I actually spent some time with him this summer. He's a super talented guy. Really like him. Um, but in terms of their offense, I don't know, um, you know, specifically what they do. I don't – it's not going to be as tough as preparing for Wake. Like, that's going to be the toughest game to prepare for. Clemson won't be as hard. Clemson will have more talented players than Wake, but they won't have a system that is as to, as difficult to prepare for. Um, and then Florida system later down down the road will be will be akin to preparing for this NC, uh, or the Wake Forest system. Um, so yeah, I, I I this is the the game that they just played, and this is again I can't tell you how well this defense played, and even with these huge mistakes, even with the corners getting exposed, they hold them under their average. They get them into these third and longs, and and uh, and they have a chance to win the game. They give you know if the offense plays a little bit better, we missed a couple kicks, 
I mean, we're talking about a two, three right. point game against a very talented quarter, talented quarterback. I just, um, I, the, the, the challenge, um, that Wake Forest presents is unique to this season. Um, there won't be one like it, or, or even, you know, I guess Florida, I think will be similar to it, um, you know, potentially down the road, but, um, but yeah, at this point, man, I don't see anything being more challenging than, than what Wake Forest does. And I know, so NC state, their game against Clemson yesterday, they uh, apparently their offensive line just got dominated, but it's hard to take too much away from that because Clemson's defensive line is probably mm-hmm. the most talented in the country and yep. Florida state's defensive line is banged up. So you don't know if you'll have the ability to, to capitalize on their weakness, which seems to be, I mean, the quarterback's a great quarterback. There's no, his numbers last year are insane and his numbers this year aren't quite to that level, but they're still really, really, really good. Um, and so, but the, but where they have struggled, I think is on the offensive line, but I don't know that Florida state can take advantage of that. And then the other side of it is from a schematic standpoint, what do you, when you've watched a lot of Mike Norvell's offenses, yeah, if the off- yeah. if the offensive line doesn't, you know, Robert Scott, if he doesn't come back this week, if if those are the guys you're rolling with again, what do you think? What what are some things you'd like to see them do offensively to kind of help out that offensive line against a, you know, a pretty stout defensive line from NC State? You know, here's the thing: it's like he he wants to run the ball and he wants to run a counter. You got to you, you got to have some guys to do that. Um, I think what you do to help them is you know, we saw that, you know, there, you can run, um, you know, an RPO off of your counter, off of your favorite run. And we saw it, or we actually saw it second play of the, of the game. They hit Johnny on it. And then we saw it again later to 11. Um, and I think that were, those were the only two times that we saw that particular look. Um, which is essentially his best run paired with a pass option um, or his favorite run Um, that helps the blocking up front. It it helps the guys um, when the defensive line is rushing to block, to stop a run and that's not a run. And if you do that off, uh, you know, enough, they get tired of, dang, I didn't get a tackle, you know, or, you know, the ball going over their head, they get tired of that. I think we could be a little bit more aggressive with that. Um, and just in that, and honestly, just the quick passing game in general, I just didn't see a lot of it. Um, and part of it may have been Jordan spinning. Um, but like for me personally, as, as an offensive, as a passing game coordinator, I love in those positions when my guy's spinning, to just throw now screens to my wideouts where we don't even have to block, you know, your, your front five guys don't have to block on wide receiver screens. We don't need you, you know, you just stay right. out of the way. We're going to catch the ball and we're going to get it out there and we're going to let, and we've seen this wideout crew, they'll block you. These guys, they will oh, yeah. block you. They, they, they are not out there trying to be pretty and, and just catch balls and do celebrations and dance. Those guys are gritty out there. Micah Pittman and, um, you know, all those guys. So you you played with a pretty good blocker. I remember when, uh, just to, <laughs> to interrupt you, but uh, I remember yeah. talk, talking to Quan one day and I said, because I would watch it during games, you could see, you'd see DBs kind of running away from him. 
on yeah. running plays. Like yeah. he just would. I mean, now they don't know if they have anybody physically like him, but that is a big deal, man. The way they block on the perimeter is a big deal. It is. It's a huge deal, and you would be surprised at how much it helps you in in the passing game. I actually did when I did the breakdown on Johnny. That was one of the things that I was pointing out was. You know, if you look at the fade that he ran to win the game, he releases and shows like he's going to block. Well, that's going to make a a DB pee down his leg because he just dumped him. (laughs) Just like three plays earlier, Johnny picked him up and dumped him on his back. So now I I don't know if it's run or pass. And I I, I do have an Anquan story. Uh, When I was a freshman – um, you on this defense? Was, I was on defense. Yeah. This is my, it's probably my second practice with Florida state, but now mind you back then we had freshman camp. So we already had freshman camp. I'm done. I'm dead. Like freshman camp was the worst thing is the hardest thing that anyone's ever done. You're practicing with like one fourth of an at of a football team. Cause it's just the freshman but we're practicing as if it's a normal practice and and Mickey Andrews is my coach. So he's literally trying to kill us. (laughs) So, so anyways, so now, and then now all these guys show up and they're NFL guys. It's Anquan Bolden and Javon uh, Walker and uh, Atrus Bell. These guys show up. They're fresh. We've been practicing for three days with no help, no backups. And, uh, and uh, and here they go. We're in our first team session. And they're calling the play in the huddle. And I see Anquan look out and see, you know, here's this superstar, you know, yeah. you know all-world you know, recruit that just showed up. Uh, well, I'm going to, you know, and I see him telling these guys, like, I see him telling the other White House, hey, watch this, watch this, watch this. <laughs> so uh, I'm thinking he's about to come out and give me, you know, you all, Anquan's right. very quick. He's shifty. He's about to try to turn me around and spin me or whatever. So he releases off the line. He, uh, I start to like uh, you know, mirror him thinking, okay, he's going, he's going deep. He's got to run a deep route. He gives me a move and then he takes his forehead and sticks it <laughs> right up under my chin. He proceeds to drive me about 17 yards up on the hill. So we're on the bottom practice field. Right, right. He drives me up on the hill onto the practice field number two. <laughs> is that level now or is it still? Is yeah, it's, it all, it's all It's all. level now. It's all level. Okay, yeah. so you guys yeah. you know, that been to the practice field, new, uh, the new practice field, you don't know, but it used to be right. levels. He drives me onto the second level and dumps me there and just gets up and jogs back to the huddle. <laughs> it was uh, it was a great uh, and horrible introduction to uh, you know to ACC real big time football. And I tell my guys, you know, wideouts that I work with now and, and DBs that I work with now. Yeah, I, I tell that story all the time because it, it it showed me a lot about sort of a mentality that like I can contribute to a team more than just running routes. Like he was the best route runner that we had by by a mile. And his thing wasn't to show me that he can route me. It was sort of to prove he was the alpha by you know spinning me around and then dumping me up onto the second field. Um <laughs> And it was such a great lesson. Like it's, it's a great, is a great life lesson too. Like everything you do doesn't need to be a touchdown down the field. Like sometimes mm-hmm. the dirty work is just as important. So 
That's awesome. But yeah, I, I, I love those guys. Um, what they do, my, you know, uh, Micah and Johnny are both playing really hard. Deuce Band, they're getting after it in the in the blocking game, and you can see they take pride in it. So again, the point that I was trying to make is if your guy's spinning, it's a good time to. Right. I, I would like to see this week if you can't block up front, let's throw some screens. Let's get it out. Let's throw some quick game and then let's get let's let's show our run so that we can get that run later when we need it, you know, because that's what he wants to do. Mike Mike wants to run counter, which is great. So let's show it and throw RPO behind it, force them to take the the, the pass part away, and then let's work the run game. And maybe that'll help our guys up front who aren't maybe the most talented. They they aren't the best guys. Awesome. All right, we're going to wrap up. I just did want to touch on one last two two quick little things. One is, I think Johnny got like eight targets in that game. He caught five, mm-hmm. I think, for eighty five. The fan base right now wants Johnny Wilson to get yeah. I don't know thirty five, forty targets a game. What 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 is the challenge there? What's what's realistic? And then the last thing is, a lot of complaints about the officiating. As a player and a coach, like, do you guys like how do how hard do you have to fight to not worry about the holds that aren't called against Wake Forest or the pass interferences that are called and like what you know how do how do players and coaches look at that? Because I know for fans and sometimes media, you can kind of yeah. hyper fix fixate on that stuff. You could yeah, me, uh, you know, me because of the the school that I came from, the Mickey Andrews school, it, we don't. It, that's a non-factor. He used it, to say, uh, it, "Holding, holding's a personal it, problem." That's exactly. I said it during the broadcast. He would always tell us, "If he he only holds you if you let him." You know, holding is not holding is a fight thing. Um, right. We we don't we never talk about referees like that. To me, that's a it, it's a non-factor. The, the referee thing is not a coaching thing. I've got to coach you better to coach your ex your, to execute your technique better. Um, you know, if, if the officiating was bad, then it was bad. I always come into it again, you know, trying to go into my baseball mindset is you show up expecting it to be bad. Then when it's okay, you're, you're pleasantly surprised, right. you know, like I, I, I tell my baseball guys all the time, these guys are horrible. They're going to be horrible. So you show up expecting it, and then you you won't be disappointed when they are bad because you you're expecting them to be bad. Um, I've always coached that way. I've always believed that you know um, you can't control that. There's nothing you can do. Um, you just got to play. You got to play the game, and you have to adjust to how they're calling yeah. it. I thought I said this during the the, the watch along. If if they're it's not holding if they don't call holding. So if they're getting away with something, then why aren't you getting away with the same thing? If, if it's, I don't know that Wake Forest teaches them to hold or to block that way, but if they're teaching it that way and it's, it's allowing them to be successful and they're not getting those calls, then kudos to them. That's good coaching to me. <laughs> it's not holding if it's not if they if the flag doesn't get thrown it's not holding now they have to be able to adjust to the game also then the story that i told her sort of the the explanation that i put behind it is if an umpire is calling the ball right. on the outside part of the plate then the up for that day or the plate for that day is 19 inches it's not 18 
So you've got to adjust to that. And if you can, you will succeed. You'll be successful. If you can't, then you won't because you're still using, you're using, uh, you're not using the advantage that you have. So well, if yeah. Wake Forest had an advantage on that day because they weren't calling the holding, then we need to also be able to take advantage of uh, of that uh, of that advantage that the that the umpires or the referee or the referees are giving us. A perfect example is back in the day when Kel- Kelvin Benjamin, who we've talked a lot about a lot in the last yeah, few weeks right, with Johnny Wilson, right. that game at Florida where Florida's DBs were being very physical with him and. They just weren't going to call it. It was SEC refs, and they just weren't going to yeah. call it. And yeah. then he just started grabbing dudes and throwing them out of the way. Because, mm-hmm. like, all right, that's, you know, to your point. Okay, if they're not going to call that, I have to address it. And so that's what you what you want to see from Florida State's defensive ends is if you're getting held, that's a you problem. you got to figure it out. You can't you just look to the, to, the, to, the, to the referees. You can't. No, you got to play. You got to play that game. And again, like like Mickey used to say, that's once that happens, that becomes a fight. Like it's a fight. And if you fight enough, they'll call it. You'll see the separation. You'll see the jersey tug. Mm-hmm. When you watch holds um, that aren't called, a lot of times you'll see the defensive player realizes he's being held, and then he sort of concedes. It's just like, uh, okay, I'm being held. I'm sure you're going to protect me here. You're going to throw this call. And they sort of – I don't want to say give up, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? But it's there's a certain posture that a guy takes. And when you see a, a Mickey Andrews defensive uh, uh, player play, you can tell when he's held because he's fighting like hell mm-hmm. and the jersey's being tugged. They're se- you, know, you can mm-hmm. see the separation or the, the attempt for separation – and then it's egregious, and then you know what I mean. Eventually, those get called. So, I, yeah, you can't you can't play this game. And to me, it's a bad way to even watch a game if you're watching the refs. Like you gotta enjoy your team, enjoy your players, the things that they're doing. Um, they they miss calls all the time. Coaches, just as many holding calls were missed. Coaches called bad plays. Mm-hmm. Players did wrong techniques. Um, you know, it, it, there's yeah. a bunch of mistakes that are made. Right. They, you, they're human beings that are going to make mistakes and we don't fire, you know, the guy because he made a bad play call or we shouldn't at least, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you know, and, and, uh, or a guy calls a bad defense and we don't, you know, so you, you, you don't complain about, you know, a couple missed calls, missed calls happen all the time. There were missed pass interference, um, you know, and, and things like that. That's just a part of the natural flow of the game. To me, you just don't get in a situation where that kills you. Don't go right. down 28-7 where you need a pass interference call later. Right, right. You know, and that, again, that was the whole Mickey sort of um, point of view was, was like, don't get in that position where you need that call so badly that now you're mad when you don't get it. You know, if we're up 28-7 and we get the, and we miss a pass interference call, we would just go, oh man, that sucked. That was a bad. He missed. He missed the call, and we move right. on from it. You know. So, last thing, and then we're gonna go. I'm gonna let you go. Johnny oh, Wilson is, I, is he getting is he getting enough oh. targets? Um, is there ever enough targets? Is there ever enough targets? There's never there's enough, enough. I, targets listen, in the I'm world for out. Johnny Wilson. <laughs> listen, I'm a wide out. Um, <laughs> we never get enough targets. We can always get more targets. Um, I don't really necessarily have an issue. I there was a concerted effort to get him the ball. Um, 
Friday night or Saturday night. There's no question about it. Um, they went to him play one. They went back to him play two. Uh, they wanted to feed him. They lost sight of that because I think the quarterback spinning and uh, and I think some pressure that they didn't think they were going to have. Right. Um, so I would like him to sort of keep that going, uh, you know, uh, you know, in terms of like continuing that throughout the course of a game. But he's definitely getting enough. I also would say I got to – I mean, they went to the fade, and you saw how easy it was. It wasn't even a good throw, and he caught it right here. You know, he's 6'7". You, six, seven. The, you should you never look? catch a ball yeah. right here when you're 6'7". Um, but that's how good – that's how much of an advantage you have on that play. So you got to do that more. You just – yeah. You, did you, you see? The, did you see the look? I didn't see it until I watched the replay today. The DB's face, and when he turns around, it's just like, yeah, give me a yeah, break, yeah. I'm like, what? Yeah, it's like, what do you want me to do? <laughs> what do you want me to do? Yeah, I, I, I agree. It's you got to yeah. do it once, um, especially again going back to if your guys up front aren't just mauling them, and you know if you're not getting the blocking that you need, you don't need the block on a fade. You don't need anything, and and when you have Johnny or a guy like him, you don't even necessarily need a great throw. That was not a good throw. That was not a good ball. Uh, he didn't run a particularly good route. That's the thing. That's what you love about a fade is like when it's not perfect, you still can win if your guy is extraordinary in some way, shape or form, whether that's quickness or size. And Johnny is that obviously. So all right, man. Well, I, I enjoyed it. Hope people did as well. And uh, thanks for spending time with us. I want to thank uh, ABC, excuse me, ABC Fine Wine and Spirits. Should have done that a few more times earlier. Uh, we appreciate their support and sponsoring the show. And we appreciate everybody here watching it and everybody that watches it on the replay. D-Rob, it's always uh, a pleasure, man. You give us so much knowledge. I, I enjoy our talks probably more than the uh, audience does. So I appreciate it, man. And uh, look forward to seeing what you come up with this week. I think you're going to do some content this week. And then also, um, although you're not going to be doing the game next week, right? I think you're out. Are you out this week? Or are you, are you doing the game? Um, the thinking? Or is it to, I be, am, to be the tournament? I am going. So where, what time is the game? Uh, Eight o'clock on Saturday. It, I think it depends on the game. I'm going to Alabama, so it depends when okay. Alabama, Texas A&M plays. Well, I'll, hopefully I'm doing it, though, man. I really okay. want to do the game. So. Yeah, hopefully you are. And uh, either way, we will still have a watch along. Jeff and Tom and uh, Aslan and the crew will be doing it. Corey and I will be up in Raleigh. Uh, and also we have coverage coming at Warchant.com all day tomorrow. Uh, wake up, Warchant's coming in the morning. My voice not cra isn't cracking this week because I didn't drink any tequila, D-Rob. I'm, yeah. uh, I'm golden here. <laughs> no, no shake voice. <laughs> no no shake voice. voice this week. Yeah, we'll bring uh, it back next week, hopefully. Yeah, wake, uh, wake <laughs> up or shit in the morning. Then the press conferences, Mike Norvell and the coordinators will talk tomorrow at 1130. Stay tuned to Warchant.com and Warchant TV for complete coverage. We appreciate it. And we'll see if the Knowles get back on the right track this week. Talk to you guys next time. Thank you. Love you guys. Love you, football family. We're good. We'll be all right. Don't need to fire anybody. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody's good. Everybody keep their job. <laughs> see right, you we'll guys. See